Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Thank you for standing by. This is the conference operator. Welcome to the Shopify second quarter 2021 financial results conference call. As a reminder, all participants are in listen-only mode and the conference is being recorded. After the presentation, there will be an opportunity to ask questions. To join the question queue, you may press star then 1 on your telephone keypad. Should you need assistance during the conference call, you may signal an operator by pressing star and 0. I would now like to turn the conference over to Katie Kata, Director, Investor Relations. Please go ahead. Thank you, Operator, and good morning, everyone. We are glad you can join us for Shopify's second quarter 2021 conference call. We are joined this morning by Toby Lutka, Shopify CEO, Harley Finkelstein, Shopify's President, and Amy Shapiro, our CFO. After their prepared remarks, we will open it up for your questions. We will make forward-looking statements on our call today that are based on assumptions and therefore subject to risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results to differ materially from those projected. We undertake no obligation to update these statements except as required by law. You can read about these assumptions, risks, and uncertainties in our press release this morning, as well as in our filings with U.S. and Canadian regulators. Note that adjusted financial measures we speak to today are non-GAAP measures which are not a substitute for gap financial measures. Reconciliations between the two can be found in our earnings press release. And finally, we report in US dollars. So all amounts discussed today are in US dollars unless otherwise indicated. With that, I turn the call over to Harley. Thanks, Katie, and good morning. Shopify's momentum continued in our second quarter as strong commerce trends prevailed and more merchants joined and succeeded on our platform. In fact, GMV reached its highest level ever as physical stores in more regions reopened their doors in the early days of the post-pandemic recovery and as buyers continue to value the convenience that online tools bring to shopping. Case in point, in places that have begun to reopen, like the UK, GMV grew faster than our overall GMV in the quarter year over year, indicating that online and in-store commerce are no longer mutually exclusive. And while we did start to see a shift in some consumer spend back to services and recreation towards the end of the quarter, which we expected, all regions remain at GMV levels above pre-COVID levels. This may be why Shopify remains the go-to platform for entrepreneurs around the world to launch and to grow their businesses as they sell directly to their customers. Merchants using Shopify are exceptionally well-prepared to make commerce happen on every surface area that it needs to, whether it's online, in-store, or through your favorite apps. Our brick-and-mortar merchants illustrated this as they adapted to the accelerated shift to digital commerce in 2020 and are now navigating the early stages of returning to in-store selling. Retail point-of-sale GMV is nearly back to pre-COVID levels as a percentage of overall GMV, even on these higher GMV levels, as physical stores reopen and merchants are better equipped with our upgraded hardware and software. More locations adopted point-of-sale pro in our second quarter for its modern omnichannel features like buy online, pick up in store, which was adopted by 63% of brick and mortar merchants in English speaking geographies at the end of June. This is up from just 2% in February last year. Social commerce is another way that merchants are expanding their presence and succeeding. In fact, in Q2, year over year GMV growth from Facebook and Google channels were several times that of the online store. With consumers spending more time than ever on apps, we continue to expand key partnerships. We deepened our partnership with Google in Q2, making it easier for our merchants to sell on Google through a simplified onboarding process and extending our accelerated checkout, ShopPay, to all U.S. merchants selling on Google, whether they use Shopify or not. Buyers love using ShopPay to checkout. The speed and ease of making a purchase strengthens the relationship between merchants and their buyers, which is why we are bringing ShopPay to more services. ShopPay is available now to U.S. merchants on Facebook and will be available to Shopify and non-Shopify merchants selling on Facebook and Google in the U.S. later this year. 
We're seeing early traction for ShopPay on Facebook and Instagram, with more buyers opting in and a larger share of GMV through these services since we announced the integration in February. We remain on track to add Shopify payments as the processor for all Shopify merchant transactions on Facebook properties by year end. As global retail e-commerce sales are expected to continue shifting to mobile devices, mobile shopping from Shopify merchants has to keep getting easier and more fun if they are to compete. Our online shopping assistant, Shop, is built for easy shopping on mobile with buyer-friendly features like order tracking and shop pay. Starting in Q2, merchants can manage how they show up and shop by customizing their store profile in the app. They can also track the impact of shop on their business from a new analytics dashboard while driving repeat purchases from customers through automated marketing tools. Shop now supports in-app purchases, allowing customers to add to cart and check out with ShopPay within the app. In Q2, we also introduced new filters for discovery on Shop for local businesses, LGBTQ owned businesses, and Indigenous-owned businesses. At the end of Q2, Shop had more than 118 million registered users, including both buyers that have opted into ShopPay as well as users of the app, of which approximately 23 million were monthly active users. At the end of June, ShopPay had facilitated nearly $30 billion in cumulative GMV since its launch in 2017. The increasing complexity that comes with selling everywhere makes Shopify and our suite of solutions even more valuable. As a result, merchants are making greater use of our merchant solutions. Shopify Capital is a great example. We funded more merchants than ever this past quarter and directed more capital to them than ever, a record $363 million. This is 137% more funding than in last year's second quarter and represents record growth for us in capital, bringing us to over $2.3 billion in cumulative capital funded since we launched it in 2016. Not only does Shopify Capital help fuel our merchants' growth, our data tells us that merchants that accept capital stay with Shopify longer as they succeed on the platform and take more of Shopify's other solutions, namely Shopify shipping, apps, themes, and domains. And maybe most importantly, extending capital when their business needs it reinforces the trusted relationship that we have with our merchants, one that goes beyond what they have with their bank or any other vendor. When we talk about Shopify's flywheel, this is exactly what we mean. Shopify Shipping and Shopify Fulfillment Network complete the cart-to-door experience for our merchants' buyers. In Q2, label volume for Shopify Shipping increased quarter over quarter, and we focus on transitioning merchants who are a good fit from Shopify Shipping to Shopify Fulfillment Network to benefit from our full-service fulfillment offering. Merchants and their buyers are also making use of our newer merchant solutions. In June, we made our Buy Now, Pay Later product, ShopPay Installments, available to all eligible merchants in the U.S., with the product automatically enabled for new merchants signing up for Shopify payments and simple self-serve onboarding available to existing merchants. While early, GMV transacting through ShopPay installments more than tripled in Q2 over the prior quarter as more buyers are using our product to check out. We are pretty excited about the potential here over the long term. And more merchants are signing on to Shopify Balance, which is an early access until later this year. Shopify Plus had another great quarter, as large brands continue to turn to Shopify Plus to help make the complex simple. In Q2, more merchants on standard plans upgraded to Shopify Plus, and more international brands joined Shopify Plus to grow their businesses. The list of brands that launched on Shopify Plus recently is stellar. Global entertainment platform, Netflix, luxury fashion designer, Diane von Furstenberg, world-renowned winery, Robert Mondavi, people footwear from well-known shoe company, Aldo, global fashion brand, and a huge personal favorite of mine, James Purse, indie and vintage clothing retailer, ModCloth, famous coffee brands, Stumptown Coffee and Pete's Coffee, children's clothing brand, Justice, and more CPG brands from Nestle and McCormick. Shopify is leveraging the entire ecosystem to create a global retail operating system for the future of commerce. More than 22,000 viewers tuned in to this year's virtually held developer-focused partner conference, Shopify Unite, where we announced major upgrades to our platform on which we are building the internet's commerce infrastructure. These include Online Store 2.0, a flexible and customizable storefront 
so our merchants can build their stores quickly without touching code while giving max code access to developers, allowing them to extend and customize both the storefront and the checkout. Powerful new APIs and developer tooling that gives our partners and merchants more creative control without sacrificing speed or scalability. A faster and more powerful checkout designed to give each individual shop the ability to handle as much sales volume as we served across all of Shopify at the peak of Black Friday Cyber Monday in 2020. And a scalable payments platform enabling partners to build third-party payment gateways as apps. We also announced a 0% rev share for app and theme store developers on their first million dollars of revenue annually starting in Q3 2021, making it even more attractive for tech talent to want to build the future of commerce with Shopify. Our teams at Shopify have been heads down innovating over the past year to bring the platform updates announced at Shopify Unite to life. Their incredible work has formed an even stronger commerce infrastructure for developers to build on. We look forward to seeing the hard problems they will help us solve for our merchants. As we double down on our efforts to make Shopify the best place to build, our partner ecosystem continues to grow. In Q2, the number of partners sending business to us continued to expand as over 46,000 partners referred at least one merchant to Shopify over the past 12 months, up 53% year over year. As the post-pandemic future emerges, it is clear that retail has changed forever. Shopify is making sure those changes are for the better. Entrepreneurship remains strong and opportunities to thrive in a modern retail era with the right tools are boundless. Thanks, Harley. Merchant success combined with sustained e-commerce tailwinds and strong execution by Shopify contributed to a fantastic second quarter. Revenue in our second quarter was up 57% year over year to $1.1 billion, marking the first time Shopify exceeded $1 billion in a single quarter. This was driven by strong performance from both our subscription solutions and merchant solutions segments. Subscription solutions revenue increased 70% over the same period last year to $334.2 million, largely due to strong growth in monthly recurring revenue. MRR growth accelerated to 67% year-over-year to $95.1 million as more merchants joined the platform and the number of retail locations using POS Pro increased. Remember, MRR in the second quarter of last year was impacted by the 90-day free trial on standard plans offered until May 31st, and that we experienced a double cohort effect in our third quarter last year as users from the 90-day free trial and 14-day free trial converted into paying merchants in that quarter. Compared with Q1, MRR added in Q2 was more normalized as economies reopened. Shopify Plus contributed $25.2 million, or 26% of MRR, compared with 29% in Q2 of 2020, when standard merchant MRR was impacted by the extended free trial I just mentioned. While Shopify Plus MRR grew significantly this past quarter, non-plus MRR grew faster, benefiting from a significantly higher number of merchants on standard plans joining the platform in 2020, and new incremental revenue from our Shopify POS Pro subscription offering over the same period last year. Merchant Solutions revenue grew 52% over Q2 2020 to $785.2 million. This growth was driven primarily by GMV expansion, which was up 40% year over year to a record $42.2 billion. The strong growth in merchant sales, combined with increased GMV penetration of Shopify payments, merchant adoption of Shopify capital and shipping, and partner-related revenue, compared with the same period last year, drove revenue from these solutions higher. $20.3 billion of GMV was processed on Shopify payments in Q2, up 51% versus the same quarter last year. Shopify payments penetration of GMV was 48%, versus 45% in Q2 2020. This increase was driven by GMV penetration gains through online and retail POS channels, while Shopify Plus and international merchants expanded their share of GPV year over year. Merchant Solutions revenue also benefited from the recognition of revenue in Q2 associated with non-cash consideration or warrants we received from our strategic partnerships with Affirm and Global E 
relating to performance obligations with respect to our shock pay installments and cross-border commerce offerings, respectively. The warrants associated with these partnerships were valued at the start of the respective commercial contracts, are deferred, and then recognized into revenue rateably over the expected life of the contracts. While there are other revenue components to these products, the non-cash consideration component from those commercial agreements added approximately three percentage points to our year-on-year Merchant Solutions revenue growth. Adjusted gross profit dollars grew 64% over last year's second quarter to $627 million, and outpaced revenue growth primarily due to the larger mix of subscription solutions gross profit relative to last year's mix, which was suppressed by the extended free trial. The combined strength in revenue, improved margin profile, and lower overall OPEX spend as a percent of revenue contributed to strong adjusted operating earnings in Q2 compared to the same period last year. Adjusted operating income was $236.8 million in the second quarter compared with adjusted operating income of $113.7 million in the second quarter of 2020, as our revenue growth outpaced growth in spend. Adjusted net income for the quarter was $284.6 million, or $2.24 per diluted share, compared with adjusted net income of $129.4 million, or $1.05 per diluted share in last year's second quarter. Adjusted net income in Q2 2021 excludes a $778 million unrealized net gain on our equity investments, including Global E, which we wrote up to its fair value upon and subsequent to the company's IPO. Finally, our cash, cash equivalents, and marketable securities balance was $7.76 billion on June 30th, compared with $6.39 billion at year-end. Our healthy balance sheet gives us optionality that we believe increases our competitive advantage. To retain this financial flexibility, we filed yesterday to increase the registered room on our base shelf prospectus. With so many merchants now building their businesses on Shopify, our job is to make entrepreneurship easier and help our merchants succeed. This is reflected in our three key areas of investment in 2021, Shopify Fulfillment Network, Shop, and International Expansion. First, we're heads down building the foundation of Shopify Fulfillment Network so that our merchants can access simple, fast, and affordable fulfillment. In Q2, we introduced features that help merchants manage and organize the products fulfilled by our network via the merchant admin and improve shipping, speed, and accuracy. We also added the ability for merchants to manage preferences, like staff notifications. Our focus remains on building a product that offers merchants a delightful experience and optimizes our network of nodes and partners. Six River Systems, which had another strong quarter, continue to deploy its fulfillment technology into our partner nodes and customer warehouses, increasing the efficiency of their fulfillment operations. Our second key area of investment is shop. As Harley outlined, we continue to invest in developing new features that add value to our merchants and give buyers a great mobile shopping experience. Our third key area of investment is international expansion. We introduced new retail POS hardware that is integrated with Shopify payments in the UK and Ireland in Q1 and in Australia in May. This is helpful to gross payments volume as POS Pro locations and POS GMV trend upward, and more importantly, helpful to merchants who are benefiting from our leading POS capabilities. We plan to expand our integrated POS offering to additional regions in the coming months. As we expand our commercial efforts into regions, we are localizing our support efforts alongside them. That merchants are able to reach a human who can help them navigate an issue or lead them to the best next steps is an important differentiator for us. And when our support team is armed with data superpowers and speaking our merchants language, merchants everywhere can go farther faster. And a quick note on our equity holdings in companies like Global E, Affirm, and others. We remained active in Q2, pursuing partnerships that position us to work with innovative teams that can help us solve hard problems for our merchants and to continue building the future of commerce. Turning to our outlook, our outlook for the remainder of 2021 is consistent with our assumptions in February. 
We've seen an improvement in the overall economic environment through the first half of this year, consumer spending beginning to rotate back to services and offline retail, and e-commerce growing at a more normalized pace relative to 2020. In view of these factors and Shopify's performance year to date, we continue to expect to grow revenue rapidly in 2021, but at a lower rate than in 2020. For the full year 2021, we continue to expect the following. Subscription solutions revenue growth to be driven by more merchants around the world joining the platform in a number lower than the record in 2020, but higher than any year prior to 2020. The growth rates of subscription solutions and merchant solutions revenues to be more similar to each other than in the recent past, as we do not expect the surge in GMV that drove merchant solutions in 2020 to repeat and merchant solutions revenue growth to be driven by continued GMV growth from existing merchants, new merchants joining the platform, and expanded adoption of Shopify's growing menu of merchant solutions, including established offerings such as Shopify Payments, Shopify Shipping, and Shopify Capital, both geographically and as merchants grow into them, while newer solutions such as Shopify Fulfillment Network and Six River Systems contribute nascent but incremental revenue in their early stages. We expect that the first quarter will likely still contribute the smallest share of full year revenue and the fourth quarter the largest, and that the revenue spread will be more evenly distributed across the four quarters than it has been historically. We continue to expect rapid growth in gross profit dollars in 2021 and plan to continue reinvesting back into our business as aggressively as we can. With the year-over-year growth in operating expenses accelerating in Q3 and again in Q4, hiring momentum picked up in our second quarter as we nearly doubled the number of new hires joining Shopify quarter over quarter, bringing on more engineers and commercial talent to support our growth initiatives. In addition to increasing our commercial talent, we expect to ramp up our go-to-market programs and events in the second half of 2021 as regions reopen. Finally, we expect stock-based compensation and related payroll taxes to be $425 million and amortization of acquired intangibles to be $21 million for 2021. Due to the sustained momentum of digital commerce trends in the first half of 2021, combined with the U.S. stimulus distributed in March and April this year, Shopify generated higher than anticipated revenue while incurring lower than planned OPEX spend as a percent of revenue in the first half of 2021. As a result, we now expect full year 2021 adjusted operating income to be above the level we achieved in 2020. In closing, Shopify is investing in the future of commerce, and we're taking a multi-pronged approach, leveraging technology and talent. By building the commerce infrastructure of the internet, innovating new and improved products, and expanding our relationships with a diverse community of partners, we are creating a global retail operating system that will help our merchants succeed in the years ahead and make commerce better for everyone. I'll now turn the call back to Katie. Thanks, Amy. Before we open the call up for questions, I'll remind you to limit yourself to a single question. That way, more people will get a chance to ask a question on the call this morning. Arielle, can you take the first question, please? Certainly. To join the question queue, please press star, then one on your telephone keypad. You will hear a tone acknowledging your request. If you are using a speakerphone, please pick up your handset before pressing any keys. To withdraw your question, please press star, then two. Our first question comes from Craig Marr of Autonomous Research. Please go ahead. Yes, hi. Thanks for taking the questions. Um, so uh, two questions, uh, one around payments. Uh, re regarding the shop pay announcement you guys had during the quarter um, around making the shop pay button available uh, on uh, non-Shopify platform to non-Shopify platform merchants, is there an opportunity to uh, take the shop pay button to a full stack processing solution um, and connecting with Stripe on the back end to be a full stack PayPal competitor. And secondly, um, we heard that um, Shopify is now 
powering a large global brand in Brazil um, as that large global brand pulled you into Brazil. And I was wondering what the growth opportunities are for Shopify going forward uh, in that region. Thanks. Hey, it's Harley. I'll, I'll take that question. On the international side, I mean, as, as Amy uh, discussed in her, in her remarks as well, international remains an important part of our, of our business and our growth story. In fact, merchants from outside North America grew as a percentage of our total merchant mix in Q2 uh, year over year. And year over year GMV growth in the rest of the world actually outpaced North America in, in Q2 2021. So we're seeing more international merchants that are joining and they're succeeding on Shopify. And uh, obviously we're stepping up our growth marketing, our sales and our support efforts in places like uh, like Brazil and all over the world. So it isn't necessarily any particular focus on Brazil per se, but they're, you know, merchants around the world want are looking for a retail operating system. And Shopify certainly is uh, is, is is a favorite of theirs. And, and we're, at, we're able to help them sell in the way that they want. In terms of uh, sort of the ShopPay uh, question, Look, I mean, the ability, we think ShopPay is the best way to check out on the internet. It's fast, it's secure. Merchants love it because it helps with conversion rate. Consumers love it because it allows them to check out really, really quickly. So making that available on more surfaces, whether it's on Facebook or it's on uh, Google or on Instagram, uh, to Shopify merchants and also to non-Shopify merchants, we just think that's the right thing to advance commerce. Uh, and this is Toby, um, uh, but I, I, I think your question is specifically about how Fabi can take this beyond the um, uh, Shopify platform. Uh, I, think, I think the reason why ShopPay has been so successful is it's, that it's highly bespoke to particular to, to the Shopify platform, like we can build in uh, based on assumptions that we can make about the merchants and their capabilities because they are like because of a vertical integration. Um, uh, we have no uh, like we, 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 I think if we go beyond uh, the realm of a platform uh, for its customers, then we would have to lose a lot of a differentiation there. So there's no, uh, that would be an adjacency for for the product and we have no such plans. Okay, thank you so much. Our next question comes from Thomas Forte of DA Davidson. Please go ahead. Great, thanks for taking my question. So I wanted to know what the financial implications are of not collecting a commission on the first million of revenue for developers on Shopify and lowering your take rate after the first million to 15% from 20%. Yeah, um, the change in the app store and theme revenue models that was announced at, at Unite uh, are, are not material to Shopify's results um, in the back half of, of this year or for the full year. And I want to emphasize that while it's not material for us, it is material for our developer partners. Um, and we are uh, committed to our developers and believe this is the right long-term uh, benefit for our merchants and our partners uh, to help them be more innovative uh, and creative on behalf of our merchants and to keep more of the dollars in their pockets. And so the, any short-term um, loss of, of, of revenue in the back half is immaterial to us and well worth the long-term benefits. Great, Great thank Thanks, you, Amy. Tom. Our next question comes from Ken Wong of Guggenheim Securities. Please go ahead. Great, thank you for taking my question. Um, this one's uh, perhaps for, for Toby or Harley. Um, just over the past month, the company has introduced uh, you know, search and shop app conversion of ads in, in the partner app store, you know, and we've seen theoretical headlines like an audience network out there. How are you thinking about advertising as a, as a product category, and, and what areas do you think make sense for Shopify to, to potentially monetize on, uh, on those products? Yeah, uh, it, there's no one, like, <laughs> um, uh, like, approach here. I think what you're hearing about is a lot of very early experimentation. Um, I, I, I the nature of advertising is like it's, it's, it's very hard to conduct a test that no one sees because I don't think that would lead to any useful data. So um, uh, this is a, there's a bit of learning in public going on um, there. Um, and uh, we, we always look backwards from value. Uh, our, our, our merchants obviously want uh, uh, to um, deepen their relationship with their existing um, uh, buyer base. Um, shop is specifically really good in which nature we uh, bridging that gap is um, currently what we are trying to discover. Um, and uh, we, are, we, are, we are taking advantage of some opportunities. Again, the, the, 
you know, companies are journeys, products are journeys. Um, sometimes you don't quite know where it leads. Uh, certainly didn't when I started thought that uh, we would be building fulfillment warehouses um, uh, or, or, or um, do loans <laughs> to the degree um, uh, and advances to the degree that we're doing now. So um, again, I think you, 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 you'll see a very early uh, representation of early um, attempts there. And we really have no line of sight on what that does to uh, revenue. And this is certainly not why we are trying any of those things. Um, we, 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 we are um, figuring out what the right mix of products is for a new merchant who is trying to build um, a business and, and, and reach for independence. Um, and um, if advertising from us, powered us in, in some means is part of that, um, we will hopefully know this over the next uh, years. Great, thank you, Ken. Our next question comes from Siddhi Panagrahi of Mizu. Please go ahead. Uh, thanks for taking my question. Uh, uh, it, it's impressive to see this record GMV. I know you, you guys don't disclose merchants, but how do you say the trains in GMV per merchant uh, trained this year, and also especially in July, what, what you're seeing and what's your expectation uh, on that trend uh, for the remaining of the year? Yeah, the productivity of our merchants has remained um, strong on the platform. Um, as, as Harley said in our opening remarks, uh, the 42 billion of GMB on the platform was was a record. Um, and so um, GMB per merchant remains uh, strong year over year. And it's really the combination of what Harley talked about, uh, POS, our physical retail GMB, uh, has had four consecutive quarters of acceleration, is now back to the percentage mix pre-COVID on much higher GMB levels. So we're seeing strong productivity there. And with respect to online GMB, uh, we do believe that it has reset at a higher level and is now just growing at a more normalized uh, level. And so we use the UK as an example of one of the economies that reopened first and our UK GMB grew faster than our average, suggesting that when we equip merchants with multi-channel, um, they do better in a very fluid commerce environment. We also saw social GMB increase substantially. It's, uh, it's still small as a percentage of our mix, but the growth quarter over quarter and year over year was significant. Uh, and so these are all things uh, with the multi-channel approach that we expect will help uh, continue to keep GMV per merchant strong. Thank you. Thanks, Eddie. Our next question comes from Trevor Young of Barclays. Please go ahead. Great, thanks for taking the question. Um, can you talk a little bit about the impact either qualitatively or quantitatively that merchants are seeing from their ability to use Facebook and Instagram ad targeting? Just in light of IDFA, we're hearing a lot of noise around this and it would just be helpful to hear how it's impacting your merchants and by extension your GMV growth and then how you're adapting to enable that targeted advertising. Thank you. Thanks, uh, Trevor. So I think we mentioned this on previous uh, earnings calls, but just, you know, in the near term, it, we, we do think it will reduce the efficacy of some ads, but I think it further will, will incentivize merchants to, to look for new ways and, and, and multiple ways to connect with buyers um, on top of ads getting increasingly expensive. So longer term, we expect merchants will benefit from further embedding commerce itself into surface areas across the internet and in person, uh, whether that's retargeting or it's apps like Shop uh, that give more control to the buyer who's actually opted in. Uh, merchants on Shopify have, 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 have always been resilient, whether it was through the pandemic or it's through different technological changes. And we, we think they'll continue to be resilient and find ways to connect with buyers. Thanks, Trevor. That's really helpful. And just a, a Our next question comes from Matt Fow of William Blair. Please go ahead. Hey guys, thanks for taking my question. Just just wanted to ask a question on the impressive point of sale um, uptake that you're seeing. Do, do you think that this is more tied to economies reopening and, and physical stores reopening, or is it more driven by some of the product enhancements that you've you've made around point of sale? Thanks. So I think uh, a couple things. So 
in terms of retail point of sale GMV, we are seeing that it is uh, nearly back to pre-COVID levels as a percentage of overall GMV, which again, as Amy mentioned on the last question, is on much higher uh, GMV. So as physical stores reopen and merchants are better equipped with our upgraded hardware and software, they're going to sell more. We did do we did roll out also a, an all new Shopify point of sale with new hardware and integrated payments in places in new geographies like places like Australia, and we're making great progress in places like UK and Ireland as well. So we're trying to enable merchants in these regions to seamlessly bridge their online business and their offline commerce. And you know, to uh, to, to Amy's point earlier, that they, they should not be mutually exclusive. Um, we also saw that 63% of our brick and mortar merchants in English speaking geographies are now using some form of local in-store, uh, you know, curbside pickup and delivery solutions. That's compared to like 2% at the end of February, 2020. So that's so part of what we're going to see as reopenings continue to happen, but also as, as retail has been reset through COVID is that it will be retail everywhere. And Shopify is a platform that powers retail everywhere, whether it's uh, online or offline. Thanks, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna just add that um, there is a there is another effect there too that just the point of sale product is now very very good um, which uh, it, it was previously its most differentiated feature was just that it was attached and writes to the same real time database as the as the online store which was very valuable in its own right but like we really took that product seriously I think we are on um, rewrite number four at this point uh, since since we started just because um, we, like there's just a lot of learning and um, uh, our initial versions of point of sale were absolutely um, uh, oriented with what the point of sale industry has been doing previously, uh, like just like better implementation, I think, than um, of, of the existing patterns. Um, I think one effect you're seeing in a lot of spaces is that um, a sort of second, third, fourth wave of software ends up being more digitally native, like um, let's actually use exactly what like the power of software, power of internet, power of touch devices, um, for in in the use case to 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 enable exactly what uh, like what they can bring instead of just making a touch version of a um, you know old text based uh, point of sale system. Um, I, I'm very very happy with where point of sale is. It's 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 really really ready um, to be adopted uh, on the platform, and I think that is a an addition accelerant there too. Our next question comes from Colin Sebastian of Baird. Please go ahead. Thanks, and uh, good morning, everybody. Um, wonder if you could expand a bit on plans for Shopify Plus, maybe where you're focused um, in terms of the product roadmap to drive more merchant adoption, and, and how much of that is geared towards the enterprise tier versus the mid-market? Thank you. Thanks for the question. Uh, so I mentioned uh, in, in my prepared remarks, but but Q2 was it was a great quarter for Plus. More merchants on standard plans upgraded Shopify Plus. We also saw more international brands joining Plus to grow their business. In terms of upgrades versus net new, we're we're seeing you know uh, we're seeing both on the upgrade side. You know, with adding more than 700,000 merchants in 2020, that really does feed the pipeline for upgrades. Uh, and, and obviously, uh, CAC in that case is incredibly favorable. On the net new and on the competitive front, it's important to remember uh, the size of our base relative to others. We add more merchants in a quarter than some of the other enterprise platforms have in total. Um, and so, you know, the Shopify brand affiliation, the Shopify Plus brand affiliation keeps getting stronger. It's, it's now easier to make changes quickly, which is something that a lot of merchants want, even the largest of merchants. Um, and also the total cost of ownership is still lower relative to, to most others. And in terms of uh, the, the features and functionality, we continue to add more functionality. We announced a number of, of, of new APIs and, and uh, new ways that you can actually uh, get into the code base of Shopify and be able to customize it to, to do exactly what you want that came out at, at Shopify Unite. So generally, Shopify Plus is really becoming uh, a favorite for the mid-market, but also to, for some very large merchants. I, I've been working on my favorite t-shirt retailer, James Purse, for about six years to migrate over to Shopify Plus, and, and, and now it was finally the right time for them to do it. So we think that Shopify Plus is really well positioned to keep not only having more homegrown stories uh, migrate from, from our, our basic plan, but also uh, migrations from other uh, enterprise platforms in the future. Thanks, Colin. Our next question comes from Saman Samana of Jefferies. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Thank you for taking my question. So maybe just on the cross-border side of the business, 
we're wondering if you could maybe share anything around cross-border volumes going to Shopify merchants and how we should think about the cross-border opportunity in, in the install base, especially with that globally partnership. Thank you. I mean, I think commerce in 2021 is is cross-border. Uh, that's that's how it operates. You know, when when in the early days of Shopify, you started to sell in your own backyard, in your own country, in your own region. That isn't that's not the case. And so, whether it's with partnerships that globally, or it's more functionality to do currency conversion, things of that nature, we think that uh, in order for us to be the platform of choice for the most important merchants and brands in the world, they by default need to sell internationally. And you know we've been working on international, whether it was things like uh, activating new partnerships uh, with new agencies, new developers in different countries to make sure that our product is well localized, or it's new languages, or it's new payment. Uh, you know, are uh, pushing Shopify payments into more geographies. We're a global company, and our merchants are, are also global companies. And so uh, the way for us to maintain our position, uh, the leadership position of being the, the retail operating system for the best brands, is to make sure they can sell wherever they want. Thanks, Ahmad. Our next question comes from Josh Beck of KeyBank. Please go ahead. Thank you for taking the, the question. I wanted to triangulate on a couple of the data points you shared. So the social channels seem to have been very strong. Sounds like there was multiples, uh, levels, types of growth. And then point of sale also rebounded close to pre-COVID levels. So I'm just curious, if, if you play out both of those trends, say three to five years, do you see the social channels starting to approach maybe the, the contribution to your business within point of sale? Just curious if you're maybe revisiting that equation on the other side of, uh, of COVID here. Yeah, I, you know, I, listen, I, I think um, social channels are becoming increasingly important part of the way uh, commerce uh, is happening and, and, and will happen. Uh, the rank order of our GMV mix continues to be the online store, um, offline POS um, as second, and then all social channels and marketplaces third. And uh, the social channels and marketplaces today represent a, a small percentage of the mix, but growing very rapidly. So it will take uh, some time before it becomes a significant part of um, our GMV mix. But having said that, I mean, I think that's the beauty of, of Shopify and the multi-channel aspect is we can be anywhere commerce uh, moves to in the future um, to be um, flexible on behalf of our merchants and in order to provide uh, additional ways to access buyers. And so, um, you know, I, I view it as a positive that we have multi-channels and every merchant is going to use those channels in a slightly different way that benefits their business um, the best. And, and so our aim over time will be to, to offer multiple channels that you see today and new ones that are created over time. Thank you, Josh. Our next question comes from Paul Treber of RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Oh, thanks very much and good morning. Just a follow-up question on international. Just in regards to your international strategy, now, what priority are you putting on securing additional partnerships or building out your partnerships with local marketplaces and channels? And in you know, a bigger picture, you know, to what degree can you scale and, and decentralize your support for more marketplaces and channels? So whether it's a uh, you know, place like you know Europe, Western Europe, for example, a place like Germany and and, and France, or it's uh, you know other, other geographies around the world in APAC. Part of making sure that uh, we have a global retail operating system is to make sure that we not only have local partnerships in terms of uh, app partners, theme partners that are building software uh, on top of Shopify that actually is relevant and, and uh, valuable for merchants in that geography, but it's also making sure that, that, you know, that the surfaces that consumers in those geographies want to buy on uh, are integrated into Shopify. So the partnership 
uh, strategy around international has always been a part of, of what we said we were going to do. Just building software and translating is not sufficient. We also need to make sure that it's properly localized. In, in some geographies, there are marketplaces that, you know, Rakuten, for example, that we're integrated with in Japan would not be relevant as, an, as a marketplace in, 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 you know, in, in another geography in, in, in Latin America. So that localization actually is really important. And the good news is that because we do have demand from merchants in all of these geographies, it's becoming easier for us to develop these relationships with both app developers, theme developers, but also these marketplace partners. Thanks, Paul. Our next question comes from Darren Aftahi of Roth Capital Partners. Please go ahead. Hey, good morning. Uh, thanks for taking my question. Um, you brought on a lot of merchants as COVID kind of hit uh, last second quarter and that ramp. I'm just kind of curious as we kind of anniversary that um, what the sort of sense of retention is amongst those uh, new merchants who were brought on. Thanks. Yeah, the, the retention of, of the merchants that have been brought on over the past year plus through COVID has actually been uh, very strong, especially the cohorts uh, that came on um, at the height of COVID, uh, especially in, in the Q3 as the 90-day free trial converted. Uh, they were, those cohorts were more established businesses rushing to get online and the mix was. As we've moved through COVID, the mix is, is now shifted back more towards uh, pre COVID levels with a mix of established businesses and entrepreneurs coming uh, to us, uh, but um, but the retention rates have have been stronger than uh, pre-COVID levels uh, over the last several quarters. Thank you, Darren. Our next question comes from Egal Arunian of Wedbush Securities. Please go ahead. Thanks. Good morning, everyone. Um, I want to ask about uh, online store 2.0 and the impact of having customizable storefronts. Um, how much of a pain point was that for mer merchants? Um, you know that, that this was a, a, a big focus for you guys. Um, you know, is it? Do you see it more of um, contributor to Shopify Plus or, or overall? Um, you know, maybe on on the conversion from uh, from the base tiers to Shopify Plus. Um, can you just talk a little bit more about your expectations on, on how that can drive uh, merchant growth and retention? Thanks. Yeah, um, the, the notes that are on um, the store tool, there was a lot of things rolled um, uh, in, into the same thing. Um, I, I wouldn't put it in terms of that uh, it, it made anything new possible. Like the, 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 even when Shopify launched, uh, it, 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 it launched with a template language which allowed the kinds of people who can design uh, HTML and CSS and these kind of things um, to really build any kind of store. This is where a great um, variety comes from. And uh, like the reason why, um, uh, you know, Shopify is a st Shopify store you might use. You, you, there's really, it's very hard to tell that it's a Shopify store behind um, um, that, that you're currently on. So that was always there. Um, the, the thing that shifted with online store 2.0 is um, how much of that is, possible to do without reaching into code. So it's it's really a, a step function in how many people can engage in this branding and customization and 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 um, dial in the online store just so to 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 tell the story that uh, you want to tell and your brand wants to tell. Um, it, there's now a more uh, like a, a better mix between what the designers and the theme designers and the theme ecosystem can can do and what the app ecosystem can do and how they all deliver um, their extensions uh, to Shopify and then um, people can pick and choose how they would like to show up, put it all together and then um, uh, most importantly uh, make this all happen very uh, fast. So one aspect before um, uh, that that was a challenge is that with the very open uh, nature of Shopify, like <laughs> this is called, we gave people a lot of rope and some managed to hang themselves with it. Uh, it's, um, there was very, very big performance issues that came from uh, certain apps, for instance. Um, this is all a little bit more uh, managed now. It allows us to monitor this. It allows us to have conversations with the app ecosystem about the performance impact of their particular solutions. Um, and uh, the new themes that we launched are just uh, extremely fast. In the world of commerce, 
quickly loading um, sites really, really leads to better conversion. It's a little bit weird to talk about it, but like um, I liken it, like if you go in, a, in an actual physical store in a boutique, uh, let's say, and the floors are squeaky or like, it's just, it's, it's just like, you know, there's these sort of subtle human things about that, that just kind of make the experience in not good. Um, like slow lot times are bad on the internet. So they matter if you're trying to build a relationship with, um, uh, with, with, with a new business that you've discovered. So on that sort of is basically like, it's like this underneath there was 20, 30 different projects a lot around edge hosting and, 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 and new VMs and whatnot. Um, uh, but the end result of it is just, it's now really, really easy uh, to just show up in what we think is best possible way for the millions of businesses that uh, are on Shopify. So uh, I hope that answers the question. Thanks, Yigal. Our next question comes from Chris Merwin of Goldman Sachs. Please go ahead. Okay, thanks so much for taking my question. Um, I just wanted to ask about the adoption of payments among Shopify Plus customers. Um, I, I think historically that's run a little bit below what you've seen with Core, and, and just curious how the 3 P payment gateways might be helping um, to this end. Thank you. Uh, the Shopify uh, payments uh, adoption uh, for PLUS and GPV um, penetration has continued to increase um, over time as we've added more value on top of Shopify payments, including the accelerated checkout with ShopPay, as well as multi-currency and, and, and other um, things. So uh, it is it continues to be a, a major contributor um, to the reason why our GPV numbers and penetration have been increasing over time and it's increasing in mix year over year. Uh, so that should give you some view. It's, 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 uh, it's growing nicely. Thank you, Chris. Our next question comes from Brian Peterson of Raymond James. Please go ahead. Uh, hi, thanks for taking the question. And, and I don't know if this is for Toby or Harley, but you announced some, some big partnership uh, agreements this quarter. I'm, I'm curious, what is the North Star for, for us to think about in terms of partner or build or, or buy as you guys have scaled? Just, just curious to get an update on that. Thank you. Uh, well, in terms of uh, in terms of how we make decision on what to build, what to partner with, and, and what to buy, look, we want to be the most important piece of software that our merchants use. We are that centralized operating system. I, I think some of the partnerships you're referring to are, are with companies like Google and Facebook, for example. Uh, again, going back to what we said at the beginning of the call, commerce is now happening absolutely everywhere, and we want to make sure that the merchants that use Shopify can sell absolutely everywhere. And the, the town squares uh, of, of, of modern day uh, are social media and are on the internet and are, off, and are offline as well, and they're everywhere. And so it's important that wherever consumers could be potentially looking to purchase, that Shopify merchants show up there. And from a merchant perspective, that it all neatly feeds back into a centralized back office where they can run their business. So whether it's Google search or it's on Instagram or it's on all the other channel integrations we have, that is really important. Now, again, uh, over time, you are going to see more of these services show up where commerce is happening. And it's our responsibility to make sure that we're integrated there to make sure that merchants can access those, those customers. And of course, as more, as more of those services uh, you know, come, come to light, that increased the complexity of, of commerce and running a business, a modern day business. And that also increased the value that I think that Shopify provides to our, uh, to our customers. In terms of the, the methodology, I mean, look, shop, we, we want to uh, provide what most merchants need most of the time. We want to do that at a world-class level. And there are some times where it's faster and better and more effective for us to partner with uh, another technology company. We've developed a really good relationship, I think, in the market for being a company that builds incredible software and particularly have, have been really good partners. Um, but there are other times where we just need to build it ourselves because it's just mission critical and we think that we can actually deliver the, you know, the best product on the planet. Thanks, Brian. Our next question comes from Keith Weiss of Morgan Stanley. Please go ahead. Excellent. Uh, thank you guys for taking the questions, and uh, congratulations on a really strong quarter. 
Um, and really the almost awe-inspiring kind of expansion of functionality you guys have been able to push into into the platform over time uh, has been really, really impressive to watch. Uh, I wanted to talk about kind of one of those expansion areas, Shopify Fulfillment Network, um, and, and just kind of get an update on kind of where we are in terms of opening the aperture. Um, how, are you guys getting more comfortable with kind of uh, that program, and, and, and where are we in terms of the timeline? Uh, of getting more merchants in there because what we do here in terms of feedback from merchants that are using it is very positive. It sounds like uh, there's really good feedback on, on what you guys have put together so far. I'll start. I'll shut that off. So, I mean, uh, you know, I, I think SFN is uh, continued. We're continuing to build the foundations for SFN. We have been introducing features to help merchants manage product fulfilled on our network. We're also improving shipping speed. We're improving accuracy. And we're, we're adding things and managing new preference, uh, you know, things like staff notifications. I think there, there were three things that were added in Q2 in particular uh, to SFN, which I think are, have added a lot of value. One is improved inventory management. Now merchants can, can hide products and variants that are no longer being sold or fulfilled with SFN. And so that enables merchants to keep product and variant SKUs organized. The second thing was we improved shipping accuracy and speed. Uh, we, we introduced new tools that, that validates things like shipping addresses and reduces errors. And the third piece is capabilities to manage merchant preferences. I mentioned staff notifications, but these things all in, in, in aggregate all create real value. We also are uh, have, have, have a better sense now of who the SFN target customers are. Again, we are still in this product market phase. And so we know that you know, self-shippers uh, that are fulfilling between 10 and 10,000 orders a day, durable goods uh, with pick, pack, and ship needs, and, and where brand experience is, is front and center, and they want their brand to look good when the consumer receives it. That is really where, um, where, where, uh, where we're spending our time right now. The volumes on Q2 were similar to Q1, and we continue to add more, uh, more, uh, more merchants to SFN. But again, this is still a really important project for us. I think we're still in that product market phase, uh, product market fit phase. And over time, you'll continue to see more of these functionality come out and more merchants adopt it. Uh, but it's important we get this right. Thank you, Keith. Our next question comes from Brent Bracelin of Piper Sandler. Please go ahead. Good morning. <clears throat> question here for Harley on the online versus offline commerce opportunity. The uh, vast majority of Shopify GMV is driven by powering online commerce, but you talked about kind of POS Pro being very robust, four quarters accelerating offline retail GMV. And clearly there's this blurring of the lines between kind of the digital experience that customers want online versus offline. I guess my question here. What is Shopify doing to capture and enable more offline commerce specifically? Is it going to be tied to the POS Pro product? Are there new products you can do to capture more offline commerce? Any thoughts there around just the opportunity and how big offline commerce can be given? Historically, the focus has been on power online. Yeah. Remember that historically, uh, you know, most businesses were created offline and then moved online. That's no longer the case anymore. And so by Shopify being the place where more entrepreneurs get started every 28 seconds, a new entrepreneur gets their first sale on Shopify, businesses are being started online. And by making sure that we are the, that, that retail operating system we keep talking about, when they do decide to move offline, if the product is great, and, and as Toby mentioned earlier, our point of sale product is great. Uh, and we've spent a lot of time and a lot of money and effort focusing on making sure that that, that, that product is, is best in class. And so the fact that they, they start with Shopify, that's where their inventory is, that's where they spend their time. When they, you know, when they go to work in the morning, they open up their laptop, where they start is, is the Shopify admin. It makes it a lot easier for us to be their point of sale partner when they decide to transition. In terms of the legacy point of sale market, we are also starting to see more legacy uh, you know, merchants that are started offline begin to use Shopify point of sale as well. They're using it because the product is really good, but also because every business today and, and, and frankly, for, for you know, the, next, <laughs> the next 100 years is going to be omni-channel. Uh, talking about omni-channel going forward will be like talking about a color television. Every business by default will be omni-channel, and Shopify is the platform that enables that. So I think the opportunity for point of sale is, is there. Uh, again, back to Toby's comment about the, uh, you know, on, uh, the, the point of sale hardware and software and, and, and the pro that we, we put out in the last little while, it's the best we've, we, we think that's out there right now. It'll continue to get better. We'll continue to add more functionality to it. But we think physical retail is a really great opportunity. And to Amy's point, it's our second largest channel. It'll continue to grow. Thank you, Brent. And uh, thanks, everybody, for dialing in this morning.
This concludes today's conference call. You may disconnect your lines. Thank you for participating and have a pleasant day. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.